When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another rousing edition of Relationship <laughs> Theory. I'm your co-host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with my lovely wife, Aww. Lisa Bilyeu. Hey, baby. What's up, homie? What's up? You broke my heart a little a few minutes ago. Uh oh, why? Oh, because why? You said you were so busy that relationship theory was difficult to... Yeah, I was just... I have so much to he do. Have, but, but he still turned hey, up. We're here. Yes. We're here ready to rock and roll, yeah, homies. There you go. What's going on Going to answer all those questions. All right, so today's about stress. That is hilarious. <laughs> Amazing. I know. Well, because here's the thing. So, in fact, the shady old lady pulled this question. I was like, freaking amazing. Shady. And the truth is, is that actually right now, I feel rather like just overwhelmed with how much work we have. Mm. So, this actually question, this thing really feels actually very right. Just changing right. the exposure in case people are like, oh, there you go. Does that look right. better, people? All right. So, we're going to kick it off. We're just going to dive Chase right Caprio's in. Chase Caprio's in the house with All that right. laughy face. What's up, Daniel Breeze? All right. All Let's right. Let's do it. So, um, drop your questions in, guys, and we're answering them live. Let's Indeed get to the first are. question. All right, this is from Serena via email from our Connect box. It's My boyfriend. <clears throat> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, okay, so my boyfriend and I have been together for over four years and we really are in love with each other, mentally and physically. But we've always had one problem. At the beginning, I thought it was about the cleaning. I am like Lisa. I care about the neatness of the house and he couldn't care less. Now, I think it's more about the differences in our characters. When I'm stressed, I feel I need to control stuff by cleaning and doing. When he's stressed, he's more likely to turn over and numb by not doing. I think that the two tendencies need to be addressed and softened, but we're not able to come to a solution. When something stressful happens, he tends to avoid it, and I tend to insist that he must do it now, because by way of dealing is is in doing. I think my way is better. Um, I love that she owns it. Um, I do not want to impose myself at the same time. I do not want to be the one to do the cleaning or the only one to deal with the most stressful stuff. How can we come to an agreement on how to deal with this when we have opposite ways of dealing with stress? I know that communication is the key, but every time we try to talk about these, we get stuck in resentment, not being enough and sadness. What you got I'm for him, homie? Come closer. Sorry, guys. Sorry, you, you start. Well... I don't know who should start. Oh, I think on this one, like you should ah, definitely sorry, go. That literally is madness. But can you straighten it while I then yeah, get the answer? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. I absolutely um, am like you, Serena. I love neatness. I stress a lot, much more than this man does. Um, we handle things very differently. And it's yeah, I won't even say that you stress more. You react more poorly to stress. Yeah. Well, maybe it seems like I stress more because when you're stressed. It doesn't come out of it doesn't like ooze out of you like it does with right. me um so totally understand and i think a lot of people watching right now can probably relate that you and your partner actually handle things in different ways so this is how we handled it first step is you just not judge the other person so 
I realized, because I used to think, yes, my way is right. Of course it is. Like, of course you would want things tidy. Like, it not being tidy, how does it not stress you out? But then I realized, like, we just, everyone's different. No one's the same. So I had to remove the judgment from it because the judgment was building up resentment in me. Like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you stressed about this? Why aren't you upset that that person said that to me? Like, I'm upset. How are you not upset? And we used to really just, like, butt heads about it. And then over time, it the first step really was for us to say okay we can't judge each other you have to stop judging me for getting stressed out because you, if you look down on me like oh, she can't handle her stress that's not going to make me feel good so from your perspective you started you took away that judgment so okay this is how she handles it and then the same with me um that was step one Step two is we really got down to the logistics of it. So if it is cleaning and if cleaning actually stresses me out, what he turns around, he's like, babe, I'll use paper plates. I'll use plastic knives and forks and we'll recycle. I don't have to have proper plates and then worry about cleaning for the new to stress. Like, I don't care if the plate is dirty, but if you do, then you either have to clean it yourself or we go to paper plates. But that's an actual real example of how you take something that's actually stressful and deal with it head on so that's like my one little tidbit yeah so i'm going to take it in a completely different direction and say that um let's go to tips and what i think that you guys should um do sort of abstract so one is when you're um, dealing with this kind of stuff, it's very tempting to think that there's empirical truth. But the reality is there is no empirical truth. Neither is the right way. It is simply one person's using one tool because I'm assuming it's effective for them in terms of lowering their stress. And the other person is using another strategy. And the real conflict comes from the judgment of thinking one way is right and one way is wrong. And that in, once you um, think that it is objectively true, then you get into the judgment that you're talking about and judging each other as the first step is always super dangerous. So, and then you just attack it with like defense, right? Yeah. So really here, you've got to let go of the notion that there is a right way and a wrong way. So that, that applies to just coming into any argument that is ultimately a collision of values. And I, this is one where I like to think that we can back this off from being a collision of values because it's only made of value once you say that it is right. And therefore, my way isn't any longer just my way. It is the right way. And that's where I think that um, it becomes problematic. So if you guys can step into any moment with compassion for each other and understand, okay, I understand how my reaction is making her feel. Um, and I didn't want to give examples in this. I really wanted to keep it to, to concrete um, things to do, but I'm going to slip in a quick example here and say that when Wookiee went missing, um, our dog, for those that don't know who Wookiee is, um, it, it was so upsetting for both of us that we really got to see how each other um, reacts in, in very extreme cases. And her thing was to hide under the covers, which is actually exactly opposite um, to how we would respond to something being messy. So Wookiee goes missing. Lisa crawls into bed after hours and hours of running around, by the way. But like once we... In the morning, I just didn't want to get right, out of bed. Didn't want to get out of bed. My thing was I slept for like two hours or something, and then I was back out of bed without an alarm, just like I'm going after this. I've got to get back out there. I've got to find her. I've got to be moving and doing. Now, in that moment, I didn't think what a bitch, I can't believe she's just laying in bed, you know, her daughter's out and lost, which was exactly how I was thinking of it. 
but I could see. Blows a bitch? No, that's what oh. I'm saying. Like I could see through the lens of compassion of like, I know how much you love her. I know how much you want her back. Mm-hmm. I know that you would do anything, but your your just draw was to hide from it to My not reaction. right yeah. to so. not want to face it. So. In that moment, had I said, my way is the right way, your way is thusly the wrong way, then then it becomes like, I am angry with you, I'm upset with you, there's bitterness, which then is going to be very hurtful for you. As you were saying, your walls are going to come up because you can't take that kind of judgment and ridicule. You can't be made to feel that you're less of a mother because of the way that you're reacting. So that's but one example of how this can very quickly like escalate into all out war or you can say there is no objective right or wrong there is only the way that makes me feel better about things and the approach and all that and then the love and compassion that you show for the other person so um, that really is uh, step number one so doing that step number two is having a conversation where you absolutely refuse to let emotion dictate the words that you're using mm-hmm. so doing whatever you have to do to zen out to calm down to have a conversation that is purely about um, how you feel instead of being expressed in the feeling if that makes sense so explaining that this makes me feel angry without expressing anger so or this makes me feel sad or disappointed or whatever and to be able to walk somebody through um, I think that's incredibly important number three you need to be able to articulate the other person's point of view so you need to be able to step into their shoes and without malice without trying to twist their words or hurt them Mm -hmm. by showing the pettiness or the ignorance of their stance but to really say um, from a place of pure empathy I want to reiterate where I think you're coming from, reiterate your stance. And oftentimes, I think you'll find that in reiterating it from a place of compassion and empathy, that you'll begin to actually feel from their perspective what it would be like to um, you know, either avoid the problem or to go headlong into it. And if you're both able to do that, and you're both able to very clearly articulate the other person's stance from an empathetic standpoint, meaning I understand how this makes you feel, I understand why it compels you to do that, and if you're really getting good at it, and to even say, and I understand how my behavior is perceived from your perspective. Mm. And if you're able to walk through all of that, like if it's the husband, you're able to say, I understand that neurochemically for you to avoid it, you're actually able to um, compartmentalize very effectively. And so ignoring it actually lowers your stress levels. You feel better, you think clearer. And now with a little bit of time in that um, compartmentalized zone, you're able to approach the problem uh, from a solution-oriented perspective, not on the timeline that feels right for me, but that ultimately that's your goal. And then if it's like, oh, as you say that out loud, you realize, I get it. It's not how it works for me, but he's compartmentalizing so that he can lower his stress, so that he can think through to what the actual solution is. And so while um, he's not, you know, figuring this out by doing, which makes me feel better, he's still going through the same process. Mm -hmm. And if, on the other hand, it's like, okay, I get it. You need to um, compartmentalize. I have, you know, always looked at that as you burying your head in the sand, but I recognize that those words are meant as a dig. They're meant as a slight. They're meant to um, paint a picture. Like he doesn't care. Right. Of, of, it's judgmental, right? Like we all know the phrase, if you say, oh, they're sticking their head in the sand, that's a judgmental phrase. So if you recognize in the language that you're using that you are judging them, that you're making them feel that, which of course they're then internalizing, push their defenses up, and then they push back. If you can say, okay, I'm not going to use language like that. Instead... 
I'm going to see that you're um, compartmentalizing, you're you know doing um, you're doing nothing, you're not taking action, like even that, you have to be careful with your words, but you're choosing to turn away from it. And as long as we can agree that that's a finite period of time that you're using to put your plan together, then it makes sense. But if the real thing for you is, I'm just going to ignore it until it becomes stage four emotional cancer, or I'm you know, um, just hoping it will go away, like hope is not a strategy. But if you're able to articulate that and we get to, you're right, I actually am truly going to ignore this until I'm dying of stage four emotional cancer, or I'm actually, no, I'm really, I'm just buying myself the time to get to the point where I can see this unemotionally and clearly. And then at least, hey, we know, and we put timelines on it. And so those would be the three or four things that I That's would do. That's great. One thing I want to add, actually, for, um, to Serena from my perspective, like because I'm very similar to you, it seems. Um, I used to just remind myself that we're on the same team. That it's like, okay, I'm really stressed and I get frantic and upset and you internalize and you're very calm even when you are stressed. Um, and we would butt heads. I used to just tell myself, you know what? We're still on the same team. Like We both want to resolve this issue. And so me coming at him or being upset with you for not acting the way I feel or showing your frustration, like that doesn't solve anything. So when I realized that um, my way, like in judging you doesn't solve anything, I then went, okay, well, we're on the same page. Like we both want to resolve it. So now let's act like a team, act like we've got the same agenda and then work towards it together versus against each other. We're not opponents. Love that. So that was a big thing for me. All right, guys, we're answering questions live. If you have any stresses in your relationship, I think most of us do at some point or another, drop those questions in the comments below and we're answering them live right now. And hit that share button, homies. Yeah. Hit that share button. That's the one ask we have, guys. So just that little share button down below if you want to press it a few times and share it to other times. people a few times. Wow. Can you share it multiple times? The count of multiple amazing. shares. Um, okay, next question. This is from Darcy Allen via email. How can you tell if your spouse is holding back your potential with negative energy? I work tirelessly at keeping my mind in a state of positivity, gratitude, and prosperity. However, the love of my life with whom I have a beautiful daughter has very opposite and negative state of mind. Despite my efforts to block out the negative energy, I feel like I become consumed in it and go backwards in my personal progression. What's your advice? Thanks. You know, the first thing I would do, I'd be really curious to have the conversation that goes something like this. Um, before we begin, I want you to know like how much I love you and I'm just beyond committed to making this work. Um, you know how important me staying in a positive place is. There are times where when you do X, Y, Z, that it, I perceive it as being negative energy. And out of curiosity, I want to know, do you perceive it as being negative? Because I will say that there are times where people perceive me as being like aggressive or like I'm on the attack, but that's not how I feel internally in the slightest. So I feel intense, I feel focused, I feel high energy. And, but that makes people feel attacked. And I remember when people first started saying that to me, that was so jarring emotionally because I was like, wow, I that's not what I feel. I sometimes do though. 100%. <laughs> I sometimes, yeah. And I don't feel it internally. Mm -hmm. So it's always like so disconnecting because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm conveying what I feel, but in reality I'm conveying, not externalizing, because you can be externalizing whatever, but what's conveyed, right? And what's conveyed is that I'm attacking, I'm coming after you, whatever. Um, and so 
it would be interesting for them to have the conversation just of that. Like, how does he perceive it? And so does beginning... Does he know he's, he's negative? It, well, he may not perceive it as negative, right, though, right, right. right? So getting to the heart of the matter. and then, But it may be revealed that he, while he does not think of it as negative, he thinks of it as, I'm just being realistic, um, which can in and of itself be just dastardly and brutally negative and all about... Um, framing things in the negative and what could go wrong and all that under the guise of being realistic. But just like having the naked, raw conversation about do you perceive yourself as being negative? Do you perceive yourself as not seeing a solution? And then one thing that we've used is um, when somebody is being negative to say, I totally hear that, right? It, it can be very difficult not to approach something from a negative stance if you've been kicked in the teeth a lot. Mm-hmm. So at, when somebody's laying out a, a long string of negatives, the pattern interrupter that I use is to say, so what would you like to do about it? Because I want to get people out of the listing, all of the problems and all of that, because when they go to say, I want to do nothing, I just want to suffer, like they're not going to be able to bring themselves to say mm-hmm. it. So, and you're switching them over to a, an action-oriented mindset, mm-hmm. one of taking action, and then they're going to have to decide like, What's more important to them, being right about all the things that are wrong or just coming up with a solution? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's fantastic advice and we've done that before. And I think the one problem when you're in this type of situation, like when you're living with someone and it's your partner, it's like you do love them and then, but they're negative. It's like it can really rub off on you. And I think it's just hard for any individual to try and stay positive all the time so if you're working on it you know I've had it many times with friends and family when I'm trying to work on my positivity and I'm trying to stay strong mentally and I'm around people that are negative sometimes I find it very difficult and I've tried like sometimes I distance myself depending on who it is it's just like I just don't want to be around that because it's not good for me um, but when it's the par- your partner who you love and you're with every day um, coming up with solutions and then also one thing that you've done with me in the past that's really helped me is because here's the thing I think when someone's being negative sometimes you just want someone to wallow with you right you just want them to feel the pain you want them to be mad as well you want them to be negative as well like yes shit sucks and you want some- <laughs> someone to just be there with you I um, actually don't have that. I know in fact you don't but, and I've said this to you in the past, like, I just need you to hear what I'm saying. Like, I need to feel heard and, like, agree. Validated. Valid- you need to feel yes, validated. Yes, well done. Validated that what I'm saying, like, this situation sucks. It's upsetting. So I need that validation from you. But because you're always trying to keep your mind in the positive, initially, you would never even give me that. Correct. So we actually had that discussion where I would say, like, this is actually what I'm looking for. Because you would say, like, what are you looking for from me? Like, I'm trying to help you resolve it, but you're just staying there. And it, eventually I realized I just, I just need validation that, I'm, that my, my feelings are... Um, right. Are, yeah, and aren't crazy. Like, I'm not, I'm not crazy, right? This, this person said this and it's, like, really upsetting. Or, like, I can't believe that, that this happened. I am but, really horrible at that. Yes, you are. But we're, we're good at communicating that that's what I need. So then you kind of stop going in the fix-it mindset and you'll be like, okay. And you'll analyze, do I actually agree with her? Like, I don't want to just say, yes, you're, you're validated if you're not. But then once he agrees, it's like, okay, I get what you're saying. But even now, what use is it to stay here? So then you'll say, how long do you need? And I love this question. Like, you ask me all the time and I love it. Because it's like, how long do you need to stay there? A day? Two days? 
because when you do like i'll be completely supportive i will like make sure that i i hear you and when you're upset or when something's you know frustrating that you've got an ear you know a shoulder to turn to i'm there but after that day too like i need you to bring your side to it and say okay i'm done i'm gonna fix it now and then you go into positivity how do i change how do i fix it and because we do that like i feel like i've got a teammate and that's one thing you hear me say a lot is that like it's just not feeling like i'm alone and so it's not that i don't struggle like i struggle with the stress and i struggle with things like this um but we've come to a way of talking about things where i don't feel alone but also we're teammates in getting to the solution um and so yeah if you can possibly do that when maybe those questions will help that person um get through the negativity to get to the positive and they see that you're a team in a partner in that then um hopefully they can work it out all right we've got some fan shout outs let's do it this is from canada texas london humboldt county California apparently Wookiee liked Humboldt. Euthanized. Um <laughs> Michigan and Nevada. Special shouts out out to Philip who is watching from the delivery room with his wife. No. Ah, that's so cool. Oh my god. That is way cool. That's so freaking amazing. Oh guys, drop in the comments if she gives birth and what sex it is. Well, and what the name is. It's funny. Is. I assumed that meant that they had already delivered. Oh, that's But funny. I could be wrong. I'm thinking but. like she's like <gasps> You go, Lisa. That would be an <laughs> awkward time to watch this, but amazing nonetheless. Congratulations. Uh, but that's incredible. Aww. Congrats, guys. Amazing, um, amazing. All right, guys, and we are answering like, and Wookie's getting on. Can you hold the laptop? Yes. Do you want to read the next question? Sure. My baby girl actually scratching at me like crazy. Okay, this one is from Nicholas Mc, uh, McConnell. I've had conversations about my partner being negative and how it makes me feel. It always gets switched back to me being the bad person. And then I have to apologize Mm. because if I don't, it doesn't stop. What do I do? Okay, so this is... I'll hold it for you. Um, This is one of those fly-on-the-wall questions where, man, I would love to be a fly-on-the-wall when that conversation is happening to find out exactly where the like belief system, the worldview perspective kicks in, where someone almost certainly has uh, an unhelpful belief, either that they go on the attack when they feel attacked or um, that it's not being approached with compassion and love. Like, it's gonna be hard for most people to hear, hey, you're really negative, and that's bringing me down. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to hear, man. You've gotta be way advanced in your emotional development to just be like, oh my God, like, tell me more. Most people are, they're going to start to shut down, put their defenses up. That is a very, very difficult thing um, to say. And so this, unfortunately, is advanced class stuff. But one strategy that I've used in my life to great effect is to look for that perfect moment where you're really connected. You're really like with each other. They're feeling it. They know how much you love them. They feel it viscerally in that moment. And in that moment, it's like, There's something I've been dying to tell you and I wanted to tell you at a moment like this where it is beyond magical and my heart is so full of love. And that's to say sometimes, and like I'm willing to own that I'm doing something in this to like create it. But like sometimes I feel like you're negative and 
that hits me too. So if I'm doing something that's triggering that in you, like let me know because I want to work through that. I want to figure out how I can improve. And when you do it like that and you really mean it and you're really feeling it and you're both are like in that like defenses down, like I know this person loves me more than anything in the world moments, like those can really be these beautiful moments. And there are times where we've actually gotten into that and then I'll say, this is one of those moments. I feel so connected to you and so deep. If you've got something really hard to tell me, now is the moment because I am beyond receptive. And when you can build that into your relationship where you would give somebody that, like in that moment of just like beauty and connectedness that you can actually ask, like I feel so calm and confident right now and just just in love and connected, now's the time to hit me with one of those things because I can really hear that right now. And then if it's delivered with the same sort of love, compassion and connection, you'd be surprised how you can hear something like that and really process through. And I, while I'd love to say like, oh, anytime, like your communication skills are so good that you can just bring this up, whether they're in a bad mood or they've had a stressful day, it just doesn't work like that. And so finding those magic moments to bring something up that can be difficult like that, and then not holding on to it, not resenting it while you're waiting for that moment. And I will say that you are just in a league all your own, extraordinary about that where you're so able to separate, like if we've had something intense happen at work and I've had to be intense and forceful and all of that, um, or one of those times where I'm like, I need you to get to the point. And so you're like, I know you don't love those moments, right? You not let me have my words. And so you're very good at then when we're now in like personal time, it's not the first word out of your mouth. You're not looking for like, well, now we've got to deal with that thing that happened at work. It's like, you'll not only wait for a beautiful vibe between us, you'll work to create that beautiful vibe, to reconnect, to touch, to talk, to eye contact, like to really get into the zone of being husband and wife again. And then you'll address mm. the issue. Yeah. And, because I need to really with connect with you emotionally because otherwise I will have that like harder edge to me that right. I you know would have in business um so I I need to reconnect as husband and wife um the one thing I would add to this as well is pretty much with every situation now I've just owned that most of the time it's going to be both of us you're going to do like let's say this situation right the chances are I'm saying something to make you be negative, then your negativity winds me up and upsets me, right? Like it's like this knock-on effect. So if I approach any situation or a problem that we have and say, okay, it's probably both of us. We're probably both doing something wrong in this situation. Now, if I can take ownership of it and I can be in control of how my part serves in this problem, I actually see I've, I've turned my mind into that's great versus I feel shitty about myself. So now I've made those switches. A, I've made it a positive thing to say, wow, if I'm a part of this problem, that's fantastic because I can actually help solve it. Um, and then two, that we can, um, that it is this kind of back and forth and that I can sit here and argue the whole time, like, yes, but you did this first. The chances are there's, it's like, it, it's really neither either one of you that's specifically first. It has like this, you know, back and forth. So if you can own that, if you can sit with your partner and say, okay, I think that we both can take ownership here. How do you feel when I do X, Y, and Z? And how do, and I can tell you how I feel when you do X, Y, and Z. Now you're taking the problem on, I'm at fault, but I'm also part of the solution. You're at fault and you're also part of the solution. And now let's work together, going back to being teammates. Now let's, we're, we're teammates, so let's actually fix this together as a team. Um, and 
And then once we both start apologizing, like, oh, okay, oh, oh, you perceive it like that? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like even just me saying sorry actually makes you feel better and then vice versa because you both feel like you're being heard and you're not just pushing back on each other. In fact, that's a brilliant strategy. If you guys are in an argument, um, call time out and spend absolutely no time thinking about how the other person is wrong and spend all the time thinking about what have I done that would lead to this. Even if at the beginning of that rumination, it seems absolutely Mm -hmm. positively Mm -hmm. far-fetched that you've done anything wrong. If you can figure out, uh, well, I did do that or, you know, whatever, and see how the way in which you may have been the catalyst to this, then, like, when you come back together and you've each been thinking about your own thing and you each come to the table and from a super sincere place, you're like, you know what, I'm sorry for this. Like if I did this and it had this knock-on effect, like the way that that disarms the other person mm. and because it's not about being right, it's about getting back to like feeling connected and joyful and being able to play and have fun. Um, like going way out of my way to figure out what I've done wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Yeah. Like if, if that's going to get us back to feeling playful and you feeling loved and me feeling loved and connected like all day, every day. And the one other thing I'll add is even if you've explained to me, yes, you did this and this is this is the knock on effect. It was really annoying or upsetting or whatever. And I have analyzed and I'm like, that's I don't understand why that's upsetting. I don't understand why that's disappointing or whatever. Um, the next thing I do is just put my myself in your shoes, right? Because everything's from perspective. Like, if you did it to me, and I would be like, no, I wouldn't be upset if you did that to me. That may be very true. But you also need to acknowledge that it's not necessarily like that for them. So if I'm in your shoes, in with your history, with your path, with the, the, um, the background that you've had, with your family, like every tiny little nuance in your life has led you to feel that me doing X, Y, and Z has made you feel like this. So I just have to accept that that's true, even if I wouldn't feel that way in, in return. Um, and then, yeah, so feeling and being in the other person's shoes and understanding where they're coming from, I think um, also really helps because you can keep disagreeing that you wouldn't feel like that. But um, at the end of the day, that's actually not the purpose. It's about understanding the other person and where they're coming from, even if you wouldn't feel like that. Word. All right. Well, would you rather, guys? All right, join in with us. Drop in the comments below um, and we'll ask. And we haven't seen these questions in case it's your first time watching. We haven't seen them either, so we answer along with you guys. All right. Would you rather? Would you rather feel stuck in a stressful relationship or stuck in a boring relationship? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> stressful, boring. I don't know. They're both bad. Um, stress. Oh. I'm going to be horrible. I'm going with boring because then I can just ignore the shit out of it and get on with my stuff. But if it's stressful and it's like constantly sucking me into its universe, absolutely not. Both are hateful, but I would much rather be in a boring relationship. Yeah, they're both problems, but I think they're both um, fixable. So I think probably boring would be... This is an eternal state. There's no fixing it. And may I offer you some advice? I'm going to be honest, stressful. For her, that is suicide. For me, I would survive it just fine. You do not do well with stress. No, I know. And I don't do well with stress. Since I am convinced either. that your digestive issues are like 60% stress, then I would really, really like to suggest that you avoid that. <laughs> that I go in a boring relationship yes, please. instead. Yes, please. Um, all right, next question. Would you rather have opposite ways of dealing with stress from your partner, opposite ways of showing excitement? 
Well, probably opposite ways of dealing with stress and because we've dealt with it and it, yeah. But excited, like if you're so overwhelmed and you're so happy and you're jumping for joy and the other person's like, yeah, it's cool. Oh God, that's heartbreaking. Well, stress is just frustrating. What she said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I totally agree. Um, all right. Would you rather never experience dis- disappointment or experience weekly disappointment that ultimately makes your relationship relationship stronger? I assume in the first one, my relationship doesn't get stronger. Right. Um, I'll take stronger. Yeah, stronger. I, I mean, I wish. Yeah, someone actually used this analogy the other day, which I really, really liked. I think it was a guest on Impact Theory. Um, they basically said, when you get a scar, what happens to the, the tissue? It gets harder, it gets stronger. So never think of problems or issues. I don't know why I'm cutting my arm there. I know, but, <laughs> um, Never think of things as like, so when they hurt, when you're really cut and you're bleeding, it's like it freaking sucks, but it makes the skin stronger um, in the long run. So um, yeah, I think that I will go through the stress and, or I guess the disappointment and make my relationship stronger. All right, next, would you rather? No. There isn't one. There isn't one? Oh. <laughs> there oh, sorry, I didn't hit enter. There we go. <laughs> All right, we've got one more. Oh, no, back to fan questions, apparently. All right, sorry, guys. All right, this is from Ronnie Rich. Ronnie Rich. What advice do you have to couples listening to this, agree- this agreeing with everything you say, but thinking that flaw lies with the other person? <laughs> <laughs> with a smiley face. How can each of us listen in a manner that we get, uh, that we, get we can only change ourselves and not our partners? Oh, that's a really good question. Bonnie, I'll let you answer that first. So you've got the self-awareness. The fact that you're asking that question is exactly what people would have to have in order to do that. You've got to be able to go, okay, well, I can't change them anyway. I can only change myself. So what's going to serve me in this moment? It's going to serve me to really look at what I'm doing wrong. And honestly, I would extend that olive branch um, in an early relationship. I would extend it many, many times to see if it's reciprocated. If the other person's like, oh my God, me too. Like, I totally see what I did wrong. Then it's like, okay, well, this is a winning strategy. Like, I only need to offer the first olive branch. They're always receptive. If I offer the olive branch and they're like, finally, Jesus, it's about time. Be like, whoa. And then I have a moment, assuming that happens over and over and over. Then I have a moment of reflection to either be like, maybe I really am entirely wrong or... Maybe they really are just never willing to accept responsibility for anything. In which case, for me, that would be a nightmare scenario. We'd have to have that, like, you know, honest and open discussion again, done with compassion and all of that. But I would have to say, like, hey, I've been extending the olive branch, and some part of me needs a reciprocation for you to see also how you're playing into this. And so let me tell you the things that you do that make me feel this way, and then hopefully we can walk through this. Um, but if none of that works, and they are just absolutely unwilling to look at that. They have an unreasonable sense of me being wrong all the time. Now we've just got a real problem. A relationship problem, yeah. yeah. So, but I like to think that people will, when the person is clear, when they say this is how it makes me feel, not that I'm stating a fact, merely that that's how it makes me feel, and I'm willing to believe that you don't intend it to, but that is how it makes me feel, and is there any way that you could try X, Y, Z? And then if they're receptive to that and they're open to trying that, then that's a partner who's willing to work in the relationship. Um, but if they're not, even though they know how it's making you feel, that's not a great sign yeah. and would need to be addressed. Yeah, and in the past for me and you as well, um, at least what's worked for me is when you lead by example, like actually does then bring my defenses down. And, you know, I just remind myself that a relationship to me is 50-50. Like, 
with our business it's 50 50 in everything we do like when we make decisions and we try to give the the weights of things where when it comes to like the house and the business like okay well you have final say in the business i have final say in the house like we try to have that equality in everything so if that's also the case with um you know, taking on a responsibility of how your relationship is, I think it also needs to be 50-50. And I think it may help to even have that discussion. Like, is this a 50-50 partnership? Do we agree that we both bring 50-50 to the table? And if so, that that means that you also need to reflect on yourself and I need to reflect on myself. Word. Yeah, word. All right, next question. And guys, we are answering live, so drop it in the comments if there's any stressful situations or anything that you guys are dealing with, um, drop it in. And also, while you're dropping the question in, you may as well click that share button right down there. Click, click, click. Slightly worked in, I like that. <laughs> I know, not bad, huh? Um, how have you successfully merged two strong, intelligent, independent personalities? That's from No Name. All right. You want me to go first? Go I take first. it. Um, so I think that a lot of this comes down to, is there the chemistry there? So if the chemistry is there and you enjoy each other and you like being around each other and there's enough fire to really make this interesting, then I think it, it can be fairly easy. The only thing that you may run into is the um, alpha on alpha syndrome that we talked a lot about in our last episode. Um, which you've really got to find a way to um, not spill into competition with each other. So while I haven't seen a lot of alpha-alpha relationships work, I am certainly not going to rule out that it's possible. Um, but the one factor that I'll say is key in that, and um, somebody wrote it in a question, I thought, actually, that's a pretty um, powerful insight, insight uh, which is that as long as they're not competing with each other, as long mm -hmm. as they still love to see the other person shine and they're very happy with moments where the other person takes leadership and they can sort of seamlessly pass back and forth based on skill set um, and, you know, that particular thing, who's better at that? Um, if you can do that, then, then I think it's all good. And the punchline to every question about a relationship is always communication. So if you've got good communication and you can talk about how things make you feel, um, like, for instance, if your... Um, um, uh, you know, even giving a real example. So you, when you started working at Quest um, and you were just becoming a beast, I mean, it was absolutely unbelievable and just beautiful to watch it happen, but it so changed the dynamic in our relationship. And suddenly it was two very self-assured, very confident people, um, both leading in their own right. And so when we came together, what did leadership look like in those moments? And for people who don't know, I started off as a housewife and you were the traditional right. male that went out and For worked. a decade. Yeah. So we were deep into some rhythms by the time uh, we co-founded Quest and um, you went through that transition. And I remember thinking to myself, what kind of asshole would ever want the person that they love the most in the world to be a lesser version of themselves. And you know me, I will never ask somebody to slow down so I can lead. Like, that's just crazy. Wookie doesn't like sunglasses. Uh, apparently that, that was, she's triggered, she's triggered. Um, so that was really um, important for us to work together and to be thoughtful through and for me to vocalize hey this is what i was thinking that it would just be beyond gross of me 
to ask you to not be blossoming into the person that you're blossoming into and instead to be taking care of me, um, setting out my clothes, you know, all those things, um, or to not be getting more confident and more self-assured. Um, I mean, that's like the Holy grail, right? If somebody that loves you, they should want that. And so it was just me flipping that switch in my mind and saying, okay, like there's room for you to have all the confidence in the known universe in yourself. Um, and for that not to be the reason that you're following my lead, that you're not following my lead because you're unsure of yourself, you're following my lead for the exact number of steps that I'm the right person to follow, and that I've gotta be man enough to go, yeah, I'm not the right person to follow when it comes to this. I'm not as good at this as you are. Um, and so having that level of humility I, at the end of the day is, is about the only way. And we had to definitely develop that because I remember when we first started dating and the famous pool, pool table story yeah. where um, we were playing pool, we were in London, like I kind of, I'm a bit of a pool shark or at least I, I was back in the day. Um, and we were playing and you were winning. And so I was like, oh man, he's about to like, put that last ball and so I went up to him and I like whispered in his ear something very sexy to try and distract him and you got so annoyed with me yeah because it worked and I missed the shot yeah so he got really annoyed that he didn't win the game but it's because he really wanted to like I guess impress me because we were dating we were only dating at the time so you really wanted to impress me because you thought I would love the fact that you beat me right and I was just playing around, so I'm being all silly and cute, thinking, oh, he's gonna love this, and so it completely backfired on me. You got annoyed, you, but it was for you at the time, almost like you felt like it was against your ego. Or that yeah, like the how guy, are you, you gonna find win. me sexy if I can't beat you at pool? Right. So yeah, so um, we actually really did have to navigate through those things and going, okay, you don't actually have to make the other person less, like what you said, to make yourself feel better. It's like love that person for their strength, for their intelligence. Um, and as you were talking, I don't know why, I keep going back to sports these days, but think about like a, a game of tennis, right? Usually it's one-on-one, -on -one, but take the, the, the Williams sisters, right? They'll compete against each other. Like they're both really strong. They're both incredible athletes. And when they go head to head, like they'll like go hard. But then once they go on the same, the same side and they play doubles, they're actually teammates. So just ask yourself, are you guys teammates? And if you are, then use that strength to your benefit instead of as a, as you know, what's the word? As a, as a downside. Detriment. Detriment, thank you. Yeah, so. The fact that, anyway, I'm just going to repeat myself. I actually like the analogy, though, to nice. this play. It's good. All right. Pat myself on the back for that one. All right. Uh, next question. <laughs> this is from Game Golotzi. Hmm, that's a cool name. I wonder where that's from. What's your... Where do you see that? Orlotzi? Orlowitz? Orlowitz. Game <laughs> Orlowitz. I was like, where is she reading? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway. Okay. Game. Hello, Game. What's your advice on making your partner... On asking your partner about ways you can improve in the relationship regarding frustrations they have about you when you're both in a positive state and when it can actually lead to improvement versus waiting for an argument and then hearing that something has been bothering them for a long time and then wondering why your partner didn't mention it before. Well, first of all, at least for me, I think that that's the worst case scenario, worst thing to do is always hold on to something and then blurt it out in an argument. If I've had something that I've been wanting to talk to you about and we haven't had the opportunity and then let's say we argue, I actually make a point to not mention it because I know that it coming out in that way is going to make you feel terrible. It's interesting though, because when you started that, I thought, well, you're really good at that. You'll wait for the right moment. But then you started by saying it's not good to hold on to something, but you do it routinely. 
You just don't get pissed about having to wait. You're not like holding on to it like Gollum over my precious. Why? Why? Right? So it's, it doesn't escalate. Right. Because, and only from experience, like I used to initially blurt out the first second I had and then I was like, okay, that didn't work. Like I shouldn't have done it at that moment. I could have done it better. And in hindsight, looking back and reflecting, and then we do that a lot as well. Okay, this argument happened. Like it lasted a whole day. Like what did we both do wrong and how do mm. we actually make it better? Because we just lost an entire day and life's way too short. So how do we actually do something um, to improve? Then it was, um, okay, like always wait for the good moment. And then sometimes it, we would get into an argument and that's when it would come out because it's like the good moment hadn't happened yet. So I would just blurt it out. And then that's a terrible way to do it. So I think just over time, I've tried to like, really i guess test right like oh okay when i did it at this moment actually we had a really great conversation and we got to a result at least you need to remember it that next time okay what was the actual situation like okay well it was actually on a weekend and we just played video games right like and i really do i'm very logistical like that like i really do pinpoint the things and moments um of where that amazing conversation happened and then try to remember that for next time and try and replicate it but if i know i can't like if I hold on to it, it's really going to come out aggressive. I'll make sure that I make them time to say, okay, it's been two days or it's been three days. I really need to talk to you. And I can tell that we're not going to get a chance to talk for another three days. So I have to put like a, a flag in the sand and just say, okay, we need to talk about it now. What about you? Yeah. The only thing I'll say is to not punish them for holding on to it. Um, just if you ask somebody, hey, I'd really love it if you shared with me something that's, you know, that you think that I could do better, or I'm really feeling connected, and I'm very open to making that change, and then they tell you, and you get annoyed that they didn't tell you, that they held on to it, that they've, you know, been harboring this thing, it's like, if you instead meet them with, you know what, thank you so much for telling me, and I'm way sorry that you didn't feel that you could approach me until now, and that you've had to be dealing with that, um, I, I bet that hasn't been easy. And so when like the the way that that would disarm them, because you're not throwing your defenses up, you're not pushing back, you're showing truly, truly, I want to know. And when you actually want to know how you can improve, and then you actually go about improving, then the next time that person's gonna be way more confident in being open with you. They may not feel like they have to wait as long. They may even be able to present it in a way where you can really hear it because it's done with love and it's done with compassion. And it's done you know, from the perspective of, I know your heart is in the right place and I know you're just like with me. I know you're just trying to be intense and you're driving this team forward and it's amazing and I love it. Just sometimes it makes me feel brushed off or unimportant, right? Which is a conversation that we've had before. And then it's like, whoa, I'm, I so don't mean to make you feel that way. And I am so grateful that you're taking the time to tell me that. Mm. So, because if you don't react like that, mm. then the person just shuts down. It's like, they just fucking argue. They just push back. Like, what's the point? Every time I bring it up, it just upsets them. So being receptive. Yeah, being receptive and not being annoyed. Like if you ask mm. and, and let's say you've been married for 10 years and you ask, how could I improve? And they're like, on our wedding night, you... <laughs> And you're like, you've been holding on to that for 10 years. You've now got a choice. You can either be like pissed off that they never brought it up before, which in which case they're going to hide more shit from you. Yeah, yeah. Because they see that you just get annoyed. Yeah. Or you, no matter what they say, the only words out of your mouth are, thank you so much for mm -hmm. telling me. 
and then you own it because you asked for a reason and it is going to empower you if you can address it and deal with it. So that would be my advice. Word. All right. All right, guys. Um, and so that was the last question. If we did bring value, please do click that little share button down below. That is our one ask from you guys is to share this video. Um, and um, That's it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Ask number two, don't tell Lisa since she said the only one we'd ask for was share. But if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. Oh, too, yes. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.